bright and blue. We like to win in style, we've done it for a while. It's better to aim very high, then our football story will echo with glory. Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory. I'm ASD and joining me for a very special episode uh, of Echoes of Glory is Daryl. Daryl Tales. I mean, we were just discussing, I think this is your fourth time. I thought it'd be hat-trick, match-trick, match-ball, but it's your fourth go, so we're not going to, it's nothing special. <laughs> no, thank you for inviting me back. It's great to be back. But welcome back. And we've also got a first-timer. We've got Ange. Hello, Ange, or Angie, I'm not Hello. sure. Hello. Either one. Either one. Uh, Ange. We have some a set of questions that we ask all Spurs fans who come on the pod, but uh, you are South African. I think you are our first Safa. Amazing. On the uh, Pleasure. pod. But then, how, why on earth do you support <laughs> Tottenham? Do you like football? What's that about? Yes, yeah, a really good question. So, growing up, I was absolutely rugby, cricket, and I guess all sports uh, crazy. Yeah. Uh, in, in South Africa, it's pretty much you're, you're born, you come out the womb, and you just support cricket, rugby. Yeah. And football's not very big. Um, my family are English though, so I did have a bit of a English heritage. Um, uh, they were West Ham fans though, so I really oh. broke the mould. Why? I know, I know. Are they from East London? Originally? Yeah, they were. Sure. Uh, so yeah, I came in and thought, why uh, Why would I follow West Ham? And <laughs> yeah. Why not follow the team uh, of Spurs, the but, mighty Spurs? But how? What, how? <laughs> um, basically friends and, and some distant relatives that really got me into Spurs. Um, oh, good. Good. Yeah, I think I, I affiliate quite well with Spurs because they're not the constant winning team. I like the ups and downs. <laughs> yeah, it is. You have to be a, in for a glutton of punishment. So our questions are, uh, we've done why are you a Spurs fan? Your first game? Uh, my first game, so again, I came here when I was about 20 years old, so I was a bit late. Um, so last year then, obviously. <laughs> yeah, um, last week. Uh, <laughs> uh, so 2010, I was very lucky to get to see Spurs play Chelsea uh, at Chelsea. Yeah. Yes. Um, we drew one all. Pav scored. I don't remember that one at all. Yeah, Pav scored mm. and Drogba in the 70 odd minute. Yes. One all. Yeah, so, I mean, I really set myself up for what, I, <laughs> yeah. what I'd what like to expect for the rest of, <laughs> of my Spurs following. Great. So, away first. Uh, yeah. Your favourite player that you've ever seen live? Now, I, would, I really struggled with this because I've seen, so again, this is, I know you're going to get to it, but one of my, my favourite games was the Ledley King testimonial game. Mm. Like, I've never seen grown men cry before and it just, <laughs> <laughs> it was really touching because it's a completely different side to football that when you watch it, potentially you never mm. ever see. It was really touching. I'm going to have to go with Ledley King. Yeah, no, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> He's an all-time hero. My with a dodgy well, knee. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. My uh, my tickets for that were in Amsterdam. So the guy, Joe, who's been on the show before, who I go with sometimes, mm. he had bought the tickets and took them to Amsterdam and he was flying in that day okay. to meet me and his plane got delayed. So I, yeah, oh, no, so I that's could so not gutting. Go. <laughs> oh, no. no. And you're still talking to him? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, he, just... he paid for my season tickets. Ah, so right, OK. That's fine. Um, the favourite goal that you've seen live? Right, now, again, I'm going I'm to have to go recent, and yeah. it's only because the context of the goal was brilliant, but I'm going to have to go with Chrissy when we played Real Madrid, scoring uh, oh, the yeah. third goal. Oh, yeah. the, I've never, ever, ever heard an atmosphere like that before. It was just completely mental, and that yeah. third goal went in, and I was like, this is yeah. it, we're going to win. We're going to win everything. We're winning the Champions League, yeah. we're winning the Premier League, <laughs> we're going to win the World Cup as England. Yeah. It's basically, I went through all those feelings. <laughs> Certainly at Wembley. Oh, God, it was, it was magic, amazing. wasn't it? 
yeah, incredible. Absolutely. I've never ever heard it like that. Well, and that leads neatly into our fourth question: favorite game. It must be a Real Madrid. It's going to have to be a Real Madrid <laughs> game. <laughs> it was uh, that was mad. Right, we're going to get West Brom out of the way because that's not what we're really here to talk about, and it was awful. We were all there. Yeah. Um, was it predictable to be that it was going to be one-one? Did we all think? Well, the difference this time is that the away team scored within a couple of minutes, yeah. and I thought that actually would work in our favour mm. because um, we wouldn't sit back. Um, well, we didn't sit back, but it was all sideways, and um, I was watching quite high up. So it's it's. It, I hate to say it. It's easy to see where our problems is. Is that no one wants to run with the ball and go past players? They'd rather pass it straight away, mm. and it's so frustrating. Song was the only one really yeah. who showed a bit of verve, and I was really disappointed in both Ericsson and Ali. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ali got the assist in the end, but no, it was dire. Dire watching it, not the Spurs way, and um, I don't know. It's just very sad that it we can't sad, turn it, it on for league games. Yeah, I would agree. I, also, it's one of the. It's not one of the few games because every game I still miss Carl Walker more and more. Um, he was just so rapid, and I think we really missed the, basically, the, Danny and Carl running up the kind of flanks and getting yeah. that ball crossed in. They just, both of them are so rapid and they work so well together. But I would agree, Sonny mm. was so quick, mm. especially like in the box, he showed some amazing movement. Yeah. yeah. It was a shame because you, you do go from some absolute highs where you know you can beat a world-class team like Real Madrid and then you, you meet West Brom and you think, how has this happened? Yeah. And how are we struggling to even like make any opportunities and it's just it's so frustrating and it wasn't like it was like Swan, Swansea was everyone was back it was yeah. 10 men behind the ball whereas they had they played with two strikers they had mm. Rodriguez and Rondon yes. the diving Rondon yeah. who went down who's the strongest player in the Premier League but yeah. was diving so it, it was just frustrating the time yeah. wasting so oh. we're not it was but it, it was so overt and obvious I just yeah. we, I'm not one to complain about referees but he was awful. He should have come down on Ben Foster straight away. Yeah, exactly. You know? And to book him in the 87th it minute. It was horrible. I, yeah. After tackling the ball good. boy yeah. as well. I mean, he didn't book him for that. It was, yeah, everything was wrong about the game, wasn't it? It was one of those sort of nightmare games after a great performance away at Dortmund. Yeah. You know, um, but it's, do you know what? If we're really realistic, though, um, we haven't got anyone that can pick locks. Man City, I hate to say it, would have been able to have swept them aside. Mm. And I think that's our problem. Just that little bit of verve mm. in the middle. But then they played Huddersfield. They scored with a lucky goal to win the game. And we destroyed Huddersfield 4-0 yeah. away. Yes, that's and true. So it's, it's, mm. it's really difficult. They just seem to be our bogey team, West Brom. Anyway, um, <laughs> would you have taken <laughs> the win, a win against West Brom and a draw against Dortmund or a win against Dortmund and a draw against West Brom because there were guys other guys on the, the on the WhatsApp group for this podcast who said they'd much rather have lost to Dortmund than beaten West Brom mm. and you're nodding I can't I, I can't. would have taken a no. draw against Dortmund and oh, a win yeah. against West Brom because I think we're going to qualify anyway and yeah, our yeah, league well, form yeah. especially yeah. at home needs something what about a loss to Dortmund and a win against West Brom no, I never like to say I'd like to see Spurs lose no no Okay, um, we've got Leicester tomorrow. We're recording Monday night. Leicester tomorrow. Predictions? A win. 
<laughs> I'm optimistic because it's a way. I think Leicester will come at us, yeah. and we actually like playing at teams that come at us. So yeah, and I think we might see um, changes that mm. you would, uh, that Ange was talking about. You know, I think Rose might come back for it. So yeah, I fancy us winning. Yeah, I'm going to go. Got, I'm going to go bold two 0 Bold two 0 <laughs> I'm going to go four. <laughs> four <nil. laughs> I'm going to go as bold as I want as a Spurs fan. Uh, one nil. <laughs> What did we did them six one and then whole seven one last away last season. I mean, I know that was the end of the season; it was over. Blah 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 blah. But that's why I reined it in for four. You know, <laughs> um, fine. And then we have if we got Watford on the weekend away again. Uh, they've got Man United at home and then us at home, so we've got a little bit more to travel. But predictions for Watford? Watford's going to be tough. I think they're doing well this season. Mm. Good manager. Yeah, really good manager. Uh, reminds me of Poch in many ways. Yeah. You know, um, I'd like to think we could win again, but I, th- mm, I don't know, maybe a draw. Yo. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and? Um, I'm going to go win. I'm going to go win. Yeah. I'm going to go win. I never go. Well, I look, my, we never go. My, my, my old boss is a Watford fan, and oh, yeah. I always think that we're going to spank them. I mean, yeah. I thought we'd spank Arsenal, but. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was going to talk about that. Um, I think we're going to beat Watford as well. And interestingly, I was looking up some stats. The last time a substitute came off the bench and scored the winner for Tottenham was Sun against West Brom on the 28th of December 2015. So ah. that's quite interesting. Oh, that sort is, of. Yes. Um, Arsenal, it's, all, it's fine the, like a couple of days after. So if, if it's on the Saturday, we record on the Monday. But the worst thing about losing to Arsenal is having to deal with Arsenal fans, I find, in the week. So how has your week been? Has it been all right? Or... I was actually away for the game, so and I had this. I just had this trepidation that we would lose. So it wasn't a very, um, it wasn't a shock to me. And then I'm not working at the moment, so I just hid myself away. Yeah, mm. that's nice. Which is the best thing to do. Yeah, I so where I work, we're pretty much split. Like yeah, really oh, randomly, there's yes. quite a few Spurs fans there, um, and. I was really quiet the build up because I don't want to be I'm never one of those fans that big it up especially with Spurs and um, yeah when we lost I basically just came in with my tail between my legs and (laughs) pretended like it hadn't happened Uh, and, then, and then they go and score a last minute goal again it's like Spurs of old this weekend and the Woolwich of old you know yeah uh, yeah, I'm going to leave that right. Well, let's talk about the main the main time. reason we're here. Daryl, you've written a book. Um, we have a few people have written books on, but this one, mm. when you emailed me to say I've written a book, I was a bit like, uh, it's called "We're Queer and We Should Be Here: The Perils and Pleasures of Being a Gay Football Fan" by Daryl Tells. You can buy it. Where can you buy it? You can buy it everywhere. You can buy it on Amazon, um, Mario Publishers, and if you want to wait for it, you can buy it. You can order it from Waterstones, but yeah, anywhere online, you should be able to get it. So I had this thing where, because I know you, or mm. I, and I've, I've met you four or five times, I thought, oh no, someone's writing a book about being gay and in football, mm. and I, you know, I thought, it's just going to be, is it going to be moaning? Is it? Go- but is is it just going to be someone talking about the football too much? But it's an incredibly real. Like you can see, I've only managed to get onto chapter eight. Um, but tell you what, it's done is it's it's made it far more real than any other discussion oh, of, well that's kind of you to say uh, but I'm not trying to be nice it's it's you know you, you hear statistics you hear about charities you hear about everything but you never hear and you hear clips of interviews but you never hear what it was like to grow up as a gay man and the troubles you had and then the difficulties of how that translates into football a place where 
people go to create an identity and to be part of a, a collective mm. identity but whereas you're seen to have an other a, a difference mm. how that can be even more isolating mm. because you're in something that's meant to be so collective I think I mean it, it's a really genuinely fantastically interesting book thank but, you but thank like you. really yeah. um, in fact I nearly called it playing for the other other side because sometimes when you've when I've supported Spurs it's almost as you say, Andrew, it's almost like not being part of the team yeah. because they're, yeah. you know, no, they're, they're, they're calling you queer or whatever. Um, you know, fortunately, that's died down re- more recently. But you're absolutely right. You want to be part of the side, but then you're not. And obviously, being black as well um, has, you know, made my experience um, a lot more challenging, you know, in the 70s and 80s. So it's a really personal memoir, and what I've tried to do is be as honest as possible. So there are, you know, I haven't tried to hide anything. No. Um, so it was quite difficult to to write. Um, but then again, there's also, you know, I do say perils, but there's some pleasures and there's some yeah, yeah, yeah. there's some fun in the book as well. So uh, I hope people like it as much as you have. So the only time I've ever had to put a book down through, I'm going to say being upset, um, okay. because of the, there's a book by a guy called Primo Levi, which is uh, he's an Italian Jewish uh, chemist who was taken into Auschwitz, and he wrote a book as soon as he came out of Auschwitz, so he survived it, and it, some horrible things happened to you, and they, him, but there's some horrible things that happened to you, and I had to stop because I didn't know, I just didn't know, and it, it, it's so hard to read some of this stuff, but it, as you say. There's the lowest lows and the highest highs in some, in some mm. of the stuff that we're talking about. So what what is it about? If you had to describe the book, what, what is the book about? Well, it's very much a personal testimony of, of um, growing up as a Spurs fan. Um, I, I look back and uh, I think I was on this show, actually, mm. maybe um, a couple of years ago. And it was actually the 25th anniversary of the Gay Football Supporters Network, yeah. which established itself in 1989. And um, I'm sort of uh, and I was 50. So it's sort of 25 years of being out because I came out in the in the mid 80s. And then I thought to myself, um, I've got an opportunity here just to write a testimony of what it's been like, because I think in the last three or four years, we've seen a massive growth in people's awareness about the issue in football due in much respect to things like Rainbow Laces, Mm. um, queer football fan clubs like the Proud Lily Whites, etc. But the 25 years before that, people really didn't know what was happening. And so... Yeah, it's a personal testimony of that. And then as I began to write it, I began to talk more about what it was like in the 70s and 80s as well. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, it's a personal testimony, I suppose. Um, I do talk to a, a gay player um, later on in the book that, unfortunately, whose career was very good, uh, promising, but then decided to quit and I think that happens more than we know you know I'm actually not one who believes there's a lot of gay and bisexual men playing football I actually think a lot quit at an early stage unfortunately yeah because we often hear the x percent of people are gay therefore Mm. x percent of footballers are gay but that's not the way statistics work in the real life Um, no I mean there are there are 5,000 professional 
professional players. Yeah. So if you use the Kingsley method, which is one in ten, you would say there are five hundred. I really doubt that. I think it's more likely to be perhaps just fifty. Sure. Um, two squads, you know, full of goat. But they're still there, you know, but they're mm. not comfortable being out. Um, um, why write it? Well, um, it was very personal to me because um, I love writing, I love reading memoirs, sorry. I'd, I'd, uh, and and one of the best ones I've uh, read recently is Alan Mullery's, actually. Yeah. Um, and I... And it was lovely meeting him because I could tell him that to his face. Mm. And he's really honest in that memoir. I won't spoil it for people, but... Can you give us one or a little, a little, <laughs> a little lift the skirt? Well, it's the difficulties he faced as being a manager. And he was sacked, I think, twice as a manager. And it really devastated him, both financially, but also um, as a person... Uh, mentally yeah so um, and he speaks from the heart in that uh, book and I thought to myself well if I'm going to write something then it has to be something that comes from the heart so uh, I've always liked memoirs so I decided to put it together I was uh, took up voluntary severance a couple of years ago and it's taken me yeah about two years to write it it's also like a diary because mm-hmm. it follows spurs so I hope people can relate to it it's yeah. the potch years yeah. since he became manager in 2014 right right up to the end of last season literally yeah. right up to the yeah. end of last season and I was quite keen to get it published this year because it's the 50th year of the decriminalisation of homosexuality so in a way we're celebrating but we're also commemorating all those people that have gone that before is, us that's just mad isn't it because it's the 50th it's the 50th year which I believe is just about in your lifetime is that right uh, yeah I mean just but just like 50, <laughs> but like to be alive when a thing which you are by birth or yeah. which you are intrinsically was criminalised I just and that, that's the thing that I, w- I wasn't able to relate to on that level but I was able to understand properly it's because of this book which is mm. a, it's a fantastic thing so what will people learn from this apart from your point of view on Spurs what, what <laughs> else will they learn well I hope they'll learn a, a bit of the history you know of the uh, LGBT struggle and also struggles yet to come in terms of transphobia and attitudes to gender um, but you're right you know 67 so I was three years old I knew in primary school, it's not for everyone, but mm. I, I knew in primary school that I was gay. And so I properly sort of came out. There's a funny story in the book about how mm. I came out. Um, sort of about 78. So it was only 10 years, 10 or 11 years after it was a criminal offence. That's mad. But the law still said you had to be over 21. You could only partake in sex with another man and it had to be behind closed doors so it was not really emancipation in 67 and most people you know thought it was a perversion still um in the late 70s if you look at opinion polls people would have said that it's a perversion it uh, you need psychiatric care and stuff so it's amazing the way we've come you know and that's, that is the thing because as soon as you change the law it doesn't change people's minds no, right no. and the people who've been socialized and brought up within that that way of life or way of thinking won't instantly change and start thinking that it, it, it's okay so that that's why it was amazing to hear not just the law changes but how it impacted you personally now yeah. um we're going to start talking about more about experience of life as a gay football fan but um 
going to bring you here in Ange. How does that relate to your, as a gay person yourself, how does that, how does that, is that, does that sound familiar or is that, is it inklings of familiarity or is it? So this is a really hard one because I, I can't, I can't really relate to it. I can't say I've been personally abused by it. I think the intimidation for me, we've kind of spoken about this offline, but the intimidation for me going to a football match by myself is not the fact that I'm gay, it's the fact that I'm female by myself. Mm. And it is a very male-dominated world. Um, I think it's, it's also, there's a lot of gay female football players that are completely mm. out and, mm. you know, they're playing professional football mm. and nobody cares. And if anything, they're just, they've literally are way, they're, they're role models, they're at the height of their career. Young girls are looking at them thinking, do you know what, like Kelly Smith, like Farrah Williams, they're all gay, great, I can play football, I can be gay and I can have, you know, a normal life, I can marry somebody I love and mm. I can have kids, like it's completely normal, or, or not, if you're not into that thing. Um, whereas, it's, it, I guess through society, it does always feel that it's more acceptable to be a gay female than a gay male, and that I guess is just mm. historical. Like, if you look back and it's not something I wanna bring in, but even like, <laughs> I'm going to bring it in, but even lesbian porn versus like male porn is just completely like you, straight men will watch like lesbian porn all the time. It's completely normal. Mm. As this is the way society is. I think it is a lot more mm. acceptable to be a gay female. And going to a game, I've I've never been abused. I guess people don't necessarily know, and yeah, I'm yeah. I'm not on the sideline shouting about it either. No. Um, I mean, I wish I was waving a flag, but I'm sat in my seat, normally screaming at Spurs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, I can't relate to Daryl, but... That's very interesting. Um, I think you're right. I think it is more acceptable to be a, a lesbian who likes football and, you know, men can accept that in a way. But some men, not all men, have a difficulty thinking in a very masculine environment that someone is gay and likes football because the usual thing is people will turn around to me and say, oh, you're only here because you're looking at their legs or something like that. Yeah, you and know? that's like horrific that yeah. people would think that about you. Or the, I don't really know anything about football, yeah. you know, which is, you know, the odd thing uh, that, you, that you still get. But it's far better than getting real abuse, you know. Uh, one thing I'd love to do is to be able to hold hands. Do you think you would be able to hold hands with, say, you took your partner to a game? You, <laughs> or would you, you know, would you feel? That's an interesting point. I probably would not feel comfortable mm. because I know, I mean, I hold hands with her in the street and yeah. like the, or people will often shout things out the window. I'm classic white man mm. in a van the other day. It's a classic. Really? Yeah, yeah. But, so that still happens. And I think at a football game, it would, I don't know, the, mm. the masculinity crowd factor mm. there may play a part and make me think twice about holding her hand. Have you taken your partner to a game? Well, good question. No. The two excuses I got was too cold, too far. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. It is fair. <laughs> it is fair. I mean, I'm glad I didn't take her to West Brom because she <laughs> killed me. Never <laughs> Something you just said was really fascinating. You just said far better than real abuse. Mm -hmm. And one thing that a lot of people, when I was talking to them about this episode, they were talking about is how actually bad is it now? You know, because we have the Stonewall stuff. We've got Proud Lily Whites. We don't hear. We'll talk about specific examples. We don't hear 
loads of homophobic abuse on in the stands. You do in individuals in the same way you still hear racism, yeah. but it's not like the seventies or the eighties. No. So, how? What is the experience like as a gay? You've talked about people. Now you wouldn't take your partner, who I I know very personally. He's a friend of mine. I. And you wouldn't hold hands with your partner. That's mm. mad. That well, is that mad. is mad, you see. And that's why it shows you we have got a way to go. A massive way to go. Uh, we recently took, when I say we, the Pride in Football organisation, yeah. which represents now all the fan clubs. And Andrew, last time we spoke, mm-hmm. just imagine, Proud Lily Whites was probably one of half a dozen yeah, LGBT fan really groups. There's now 40. Um, and England gave us tickets for the game against uh, Germany um, another boring game yeah I mean I was there for that too I think it's oh, me were you? maybe it's yeah. me <laughs> well there were a hundred LGBT fans I don't know if you saw them but the experience they had was that for once they could hold hands they could even kiss each other you know because there was a hundred of them mm. there was lots of banners etc so until we get to that day um you know, there's still a struggle. So I say it's it's better, but it's not there yet, yeah. I think, acceptance. And as you said, Ange, you know, people shouting out at you in the street for not doing anything but just loving someone next to you is awful. We shouldn't be in a society like that that uh, accepts that level or tolerates that level of abuse. Yeah, I agree. Do you think we were talking earlier about how... Potentially it's easier for, well, it is easier to be a lesbian than a gay man in society now. Do you think that football football crowds are often a, 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 a concentration of masculinity? So do you think it's harder to be a gay, football, a gay male football fan than a female gay football fan for any reason at all? Or is, it, is, it, is that by the by? And actually, is it harder to be a woman going to the football yeah. than it is to be a man, do you think? Um, <laughs> That's a hard question because you can only yeah, answer sure. from one perspective, right? <laughs> I can. Um, I absolutely think it's easier being a gay female football fan, and actually, in lesbian society, it's kind of expected of you. Mm. Like most football clubs have a lot of gay girls playing in them, and it's just mm. that's how it is. Whereas I, I still think that from a male perspective, it's 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 not at all, and. A, it won't be for a while until we start to change things within society. Um, yeah. So what does need to change? What can someone like me do? So I'm I'm doing pretty well. I'm white. I'm middle class. I'm male. I'm you know I'm I'm married to a woman. You know I'm I've, my privilege is, is on point. But what um what can non LGBT people do to help? Well, you've you've done it by inviting us both here, and you've also done it because you're easy in our company, you know. And also just to be seen in our company and stuff, I think, is really important. We'll get nowhere without straight allies because we're still a minority even Mm. if we're out. Um, So it really means just recognising us, um, joining in campaigns, um, supporting everything that happens from the Rainbow Laces campaign, perhaps, you know, getting a copy of my book or something, (laughs) you know, anything that's uh, happening. Um, but also I think it's just um, the, the, the difference that we have now that we didn't have 25 years ago or even 10 years ago is that I think everyone knows someone who's gay mm. and not just someone who's on the television that's gay or a gay uh, woman's footballer or tennis player or whatever. 
they'll have a friend they'll have a family member they'll have a colleague at work i think we've got to that situation now so people are just generally more comfortable um in that environment the one thing though i would say is a big difference is that there are certain ways you're meant to act as a supporter Mm. which is being really tough um being really aggressive uh, um, you know, and I've got no qualms about shouting for my team and supporting them all the way. You know, I've been all over the uh, Europe supporting them, but I'm not prepared to be offensive or I'm not prepared to be derogatory against anyone for them at all. At all. Um, You've never given a wanker sign to a Chelsea fan. <laughs> oh, oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I have, and I've, you know, and I've unfortunately use the c word a few times and then thought better about it um because that comes out but i would like to go to a game because there's loads of kids and family there that Mm. we could find a way of being passionate and leaving the offensiveness at home other sports manage to do it and other clubs it's easy you sing about your team rather than the other team it's it's that simple right you're not going to be derogatory about your team and i think what stops players male players coming out is the is that is is that belief they've all got to be tough they've all got to be macho they've even mm. you know stand up for the team when actually some of them may not have that sort of threads of toughness about them but may be skillful or better in other ways you Do know you think that it's just intrinsic in football which is a game for the working class people like it's play it was played by working class people it's three o'clock on a Saturday because it's people coming out of factories and that is like they work in manual labor jobs which only accentuate masculinism and football has always been a part of that and to be honest part of my love for football is the release of being able to yeah. swear at people you know and um being able to drop a c-bomb you know my my mum was shocked no my dad was shocked by my language but i'm not i'm not a, an aggressive sweary man but no it's it's a release at football and so yeah. there's something which is just relaxing about it as well and but that's not what you're talking about i don't feel no i'm talking about offensive chance i think the Campbell chant without having to go through it all over again that really got the club thinking hold on a moment this is really beyond borders you know it was talking about someone with HIV talking about a black man being strung up so someone somewhere had sat down and thought about racism and homophobia so you know I'll sing songs and I'll have a go at the opposition and I might even use swear words I think those are acceptable I shouldn't use the c word but you shouldn't really I think you know use that offensive singing um, Mm. against anyone really I think I think that was the limit when it was reached I mean the clubs say it themselves that's when you know a couple of arrests were made at Portsmouth because it's actually now against the law homophobic chanting and they thought we better do something about this and that's when they began to say we'll set up the proud lily whites yeah yeah, yeah. well you look at brighton they face it wherever they go like it's yeah it, that needs to be yeah. sorted out um you talked about stonewall and uh the rainbow laces and it was wonderful to see the arch in the rainbow colors and obviously proud lily whites have got their flag i don't think it's at wembley is it the proud, i haven't seen it it is somewhere i have not seen it but 
I haven't seen it, but it is somewhere apparently. Yeah, I've not seen it. Oh, oh we haven't seen it. Well, not weekend, as big as. No, at as the weekend there was obviously um, all the signboards were because of. Oh, uh, rainbow relations. Yeah, because yeah, of rainbow yeah, relations. Yeah. But I've definitely not seen no. the flag at all. Okay. So, and how do you think campaigns like Kick It Out and the rainbow laces help? Like, do they actually do any good or are they just a, a nice box ticking exercise? Um, no, I do think, that, I mean, they absolutely are doing a lot. They do a lot behind the scenes. They offer a lot of support networks mm. that we would never, ever mm. know happens, really. Yeah. Um, all the clubs have gone behind it. If you go on Twitter, every single club has changed their um, logo to, you know, rainbow um, flags. And it, it does raise the profile that it is acceptable. Mm. However, and, until and nobody's going to want to take the title because of what will come with it. But until there is a top Premier League player, male, out in the spotlight, it's always going to be the same. Mm. And they are doing so much, and I would never ever want to take that away. Of course. Um, especially kick it out. I mean, it's not just homophobia yeah. they're tackling, they're tackling so much. I think you've made an amazing point. Transphobia is something that, mm. you know, tr- trans now in cultures, again, it's, it's becoming the norm, but we are such a long way from seeing a trans football player on our scene. I mean, we're, we're not so, yeah, we're not there miles away. Miles I just can't away. even imagine yeah. what would be chanted at that person. I mean, Caster mm. ca- Samina, the South African, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. South African runner, perfect example where she looked a bit masculine and she was absolutely paraded in front mm. of everyone and made to, like yeah. take sex tests because of it. It's just such a horrible feeling, especially like in front of your whole nation yeah. when you're an athlete. And I imagine we'd want to be doing the same things, which is again so horrible so yeah, yeah we're a long awful, way off wasn't it? yeah and it was it was almost blaming her yeah absolutely and she can't she's blame a cheat. herself she's a cheat. what she yeah. is you know i, just, mm. I don't know it, since having a daughter things that i like i never I obviously understood feminism and I, I understood things like that before but since having a daughter it, it, it made it all real to me and like chatting to you guys is it's so hard for it to for it to resonate without speaking and without without normalizing this stuff, you know, it's a really difficult thing to to appreciate. Um, we've sort of talked about the um, support and experience of that for a woman, but one of the things you said when we were when we were WhatsApp in last night was um, you would never go to a game by yourself. Why? Yeah. Why not? It is. It's just way too intimidating. I uh, I like having. I do like. Ha- I feel like all my little feminist bones are dying inside, but I do feel like I like the comfort or just companionship of having a male with me at a game in case something happens. Mm. Like I couldn't go with my, I, I say I wouldn't go with my partner. I'd love her to come with me. I probably wouldn't hold hands with her, sure. I don't know what would happen if anything ever quote unquote kicked off. And I imagine it wouldn't. Like we're all, at the end of the day, we all just want to see Spurs win. But I have also been to some lower league games and they are just so horrible to each other. Um, And you can hear it, can't you? I I went to, uh, I watched the Mighty Cobblers take on (laughs) the Wombles. So it was a a match for the ages. Northampton versus Wimbledon. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I stood stood literally in the the dividing line and I kind of turned to my left and I was with... A, a guy friend who's massive and I felt completely safe yeah. and I, I kind of looked to my left and it was like a bit like a scene from a zoo like they, they were all like animals behind a cage that yeah. just wanted to like break free mm. and kill each other mm. and it was the most for me yeah. like obviously intimidating experience but I do associate some of that behaviour with going to a football game and yes I can sit there and there was a lot of C-bombing and effing and whatever and 
I have a, a potty mouth myself, but some of the aggression is just not really for me. So mm. I do like to have a, yeah, yeah. a safety net when I go to games, which is a shame. Yeah, I, get, I was thinking, so my next question is going to be about specific teams. And the one, like, the, I've only ever felt in danger twice. One was West Ham. It was the season where they beat us three games, home, home twice, once in the Cup and then home and away in the Premier League. There was a game which I went to with Van and Joe from this show. And do you remember in the old South Stands, which is where I... So I love that atmosphere. Not the... Because I've never hit anyone in my life. And I'm not going to... But I love that. I love the energy. Like, I love the energy of standing. Block 35. Like, you got it because of the the friction with the the other fans. And I'm not talking about the aggressive friction, just because they were there, you know? But West Ham, when it was there, the, the horses... There were horses and police, but both sets of fans were trying to get to each other. And this was an evening game, so people had been drinking hard. And we had to go through one by one in between the wall by the houses and the, the away fans. And so there were bottles and coins and things flying. And it was dangerous. I don't think fan goes to many games because because of that night. And like I, I don't want to put you on a spot, but you two, I know you and your partner, you're very beautiful, you're very young, you're very blonde. You would stand out in that, you know, I'm... I, I would just I can hide in a black jacket and I'm just a, a normal yeah. male but you would stand out and football picks yeah, on the other p- picks on the difference so I, I, it must be horrible are there particular games you definitely wouldn't go to or games you would go to or stadiums you would go to like it's Wembley alright because Wembley is 200 metres of walking right? yeah so surprisingly I feel safe in Wembley yeah um I think it's because I know it quite well, so I always know, mm. you know, I know the safety there, and I know the people, I know security. I, I would say this, I probably wouldn't want to go to many Arsenal games because I do feel that there's the, the kind of feelings and stuff around a lot of my friends, there's a lot of tension. Mm. And yeah, I think, I, I remember going to a Fulham game and that was, I want to say quite safe. Yeah. Um, White Hart Lane, obviously, I told you last night I would never go by myself. The walk from White Hart Lane is just so far. <laughs> and it's, to it's and from, just, it's, it's just a bit of an intimidating it? area. It's just mind-blowing. Yeah, I know. I mean, for me, I wouldn't go to West Ham. And uh, I actually had a ticket for that Lasagna Gate no, God, yeah. um, <laughs> event. Uh, but I couldn't go. I suffer from panic attacks, as you read in the book increasingly so over the years so I gave up a ticket for that game would you imagine and everyone was saying why have you given up a ticket for that game because I would generally just be really fearful that I would stand out being black as well in that atmosphere and I don't know it's maybe a sense of getting older but West Ham is certainly I would not go to Um, but I can't think of any other ground actually I would probably go to the Emirates but again I would only go with a group yeah Yeah. Uh, especially away although saying that I have been away now more frequently because the atmosphere can be either really hostile or really brilliant Huddersfield Mm. this season was one of the best games not only because we won 4-0 but the Huddersfield fans are so great you know they don't really mind it's you know their chance at a bit of Mm. glory it was like the old days. Everyone was singing 90 minutes and there were some really funny songs, you know, how football really should be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's not many grounds, but West Ham is one of them. I don't think I could go to the London Stadium. No. no. I, oh, no. I, yeah, I totally forgot. I did the bullying away once and I feared because to get to the away section, 
you had to go through, like you went down the main road, didn't you? Have you ever been? To Bolin? Yeah. Yes. And you had years to go round ago. the street, Gosh. and then there was a, almost a, a tunnel with walls either side. So if you got trapped in there, you weren't getting out. And it was quite a horrendous thing. And I left 10 minutes early because it was one, it was the first year where we were sort of challenging for the title where we lost 1 0 away uh, to West Ham. And I was in the away, for the uh, West Ham fans, and there were literally men with guns dogs everywhere men in in armor mm. and it was horrendous and they were preparing for what was to come again evening game in the week awful mm. awful scenes um list, some listener questions so these come from reddit um I'll, I'll, I'll read out the first one so lane to glory says uh spurs fans have often prided themselves on being part of a relatively forward-thinking club the term yiddo for example originally being sung by us in order to signify togetherness with the jewish community in tottenham and our constant and justified criticism of the shameful and racist recent history of clubs like west ham and chelsea do you believe that spurs and spurs fans have shown a similarly progressive attitudes towards the lgbt community yep yeah. definitely yeah the flag itself uh when it was first put up there was a few murmurings mm on uh, mainly social media this is out mm. you know blah 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 we shouldn't be doing it but actually it's actually now seen as a symbol of pride really uh, at White Hart Lane yeah, yeah, yeah. and Pradley Lee Whites is one of the best um, LGBT clubs in fact they're up for an award oh, really? um, the Football Supporters uh, Federation Awards they've been shortlisted for the best equalities initiative or something Fantastic. along with uh, Proud and Palace so yeah I think people are generally supportive That's and um, yeah I do I don't know what you I, I would agree mm. the same thing when the when reading back as well the kind of comments you would normally get is I, I don't want my children to see that and it's always the classic and you're like sorry so you'd let your kids sit and listen to like exactly 90 minutes of Quentin Tarantino swearing but <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're not allowed to see a rainbow flag <laughs> and it's like come on mate. unbelievable yeah. um, very interesting because yeah, Proudly Whites were the second officially recognised LGBT sports group after Gay Gooners, is that right? Yes, don't swear. <laughs> <laughs> we just, just call them the Woolwich. <laughs> the Woolwich. Um, and Identifier says, what do you think of the constant, and I'm really interested in this, in the constant homoerotic references by straight fans, uh, thinking about Edwards and Lamella makes me play hard, I've got a man crush on Ericsson, which I've said a hundred times. Um, would a gay fan feel comfortable making the same jokes? And there's... Would they feel comfortable talking about genuinely fancy football in the stands or on a forum like we are in? Because um, I never know what to joke about. Oh, like okay. I still have to think about whether I'm being offensive because I know what the, I don't know what the boundaries are. You know that that is a very interesting thing. So, well, I, I don't know about you, Ange, but I would really like it. <laughs> yeah, agreed. And yeah. I had I'd, there's you know some straight friends around me um, who you know will say couple of those things and I think that's really good yeah. yeah I have no problems with that at all we have a very loud member of the proud Lily Whites who when he sits next to us he's in his 20s he's very tall he's built like a proverbial <laughs> BSH and he makes it quite obvious that he fancies Lamella so um, what a weird choice yeah <laughs> why <laughs> Um, so yeah, no, I feel it. I feel really comfortable as long as you know the people around you, and you and they know that you're gay in a sense. And yeah, and uh, I think you can. I think what, it's great. So if I know the people around me are gay, but what would that mean? Why should I have to consider the people around me? Um, big. Well, I don't know. I don't know. It might. It might. 
present itself as another barrier for them coming out. They sure, they sure. they might that's not know your motives. About. You yeah, see, yeah, yeah. they might not know you and yeah. think that's actually you're, you're just being a little bit homophobic. But I don't think it's a massive problem in a sense. I love the bro romances that go on. Um, and I think the players are beginning to love all that, you know, between Delhi and um, Dyer, Eric yeah. and yeah. stuff. So I actually find it, yeah, fine. Uh, you know, if there's straight men that don't mind being fancy, fine. Yeah, agreed. I think it, it does break down those, I say it, break down, it does break down those barriers. Yeah, I think it does, yeah. Instead of you having this opinion of, I can't, I'm a straight man and I will never be able to fancy someone, you you'll fancy someone for their sporting prowess as opposed to anything else. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I suppose right. it's better for me to say, like, I love Hugo Lloris and going, I can't love Hugo Lloris because that's disgusting and get you, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Identify says, what is there still to do to make sporting football enjoyable for everyone? So we sort of touched on it, but is there any, what else do we need to do? I think what we need to do is the players need to take much more of a lead now mm. in all of this. Mm. Um, for example, I think in terms of players, I hate to say it, I think we've actually gone backwards. I was at a conference, um, a queering football conference in Slovenia um, wow. during the Arsenal game. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but uh, uh, instead of going to the Arsenal game... How many game, people were there? That's um, very specific. It was. It, there was loads. Um, there was loads. But, for example, they all envy England because 100 LGBT fans can come along to an England game and hold hands. Mm. Um, and they... The one thing they still talk about is David Beckham. Now, Beckham's yonks away. But if you recall, he was the first. I mean, he was England's captain. He was the first that was really comfortable within gay, you know, gay men fancying himself. He would go on the telly and say so. He would joke about it. You know, he would wear the odd skirts, etc. <laughs> and actually, I can't imagine yeah. today anyone playing for England who would have either that temerity to do that or the kudos in doing it. So in mm. many respects, I think we've gone backwards. Yeah. I know some players wore rainbow laces, but we still find it difficult. For example, a Tottenham player or a top-flight footballer coming, say, to something like this and talking about why it's important not mm. to be homophobic and stuff... So um, that's the one thing I would say that needs being changed. Footballers themselves. Now, women's football is really interesting because they have. I mean, lesbians have come out, but also players who play with lesbians have said it's not an issue, blah, blah. You know, uh, Casey Jones, um, Casey, Casey Stoney, Stones, yeah. so Stoney, sorry, the England captain, etc. Now, I'm not, I'm not even wanting players to come out necessarily, but I would like to see more David Beckhams. Mm. You know, I would like to see more ambassadors on yeah. that issue, and um, because that I think would help create an environment um, yeah, where yeah. it's acceptable. It's a massive ego boost as well. I'd love gay people to fancy me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is there's some. I'll tell you what is interesting is when we ask these questions. So we, I remember when we had. Right, Proud Lily White's the first time the flag was flown. If I remember, yeah. it was Newcastle. If I remember correctly, I think it was Newcastle. I think we lost 1 0. I think it was really sunny. Okay. And I think that was the first thing. I'm probably wrong, but that's just what's in my head. And we, and the, we asked if anyone had questions, and the, the, most, the one we had the most, which we haven't had today, was why do we need. Yes. 
Why do we need it? Exactly. Well, that's quite good. And I think it's brilliant that we haven't had it. But if you have a look at some of the replies on Twitter to some of the tweets about Mm. rainbow laces, you can see why we need it. It's still not accepted. Um, What's what's though really promising, Andrew, about that is that I don't feel, I've seen some of the replies, I don't feel now that I have to go in and make the point, oh, I'm gay, you know, because there's enough straight allies who will say, don't be ridiculous. You know, that flag, you know, doesn't mean that, you know, we're all gay or whatever. Uh, So that's really good. You know, that's massive. You know, massive improvement in just three years, you know. Uh, Tango Pepsi, this is one about Proud Lily White, so this is more aimed at you, Daryl. What has your relationship with the club as an organisation been like throughout the years? Have they always supported your club? Yes, I, th- I think so. Very much so. Um, nothing answer, that yeah. we haven't asked for have they not said, yeah. okay, we'll think about it, but yes. The, I think the reason why the Proud Lily Whites has been um, shortlisted this year is Serge Oreo. Do you yeah. remember when he came to the club yeah. and there was many of us who were thinking, hold on, he's been on telly or he's at least... Uh, well, he called his old manager and captain a, a faggot. A faggot yeah. Right? So obviously it's going to be a bit of people thinking, hold on a moment. And then the club allowed the Proud Lily Whites, you know, to issue a statement which seemed to put the onus on, on Aurea and, you know, in a way saying, well, we accept you coming, but you, you've got to remember those standards aren't mm. acceptable. And that was published everywhere and seen as really positive. Um, so I think, no, I think the relationship between the club and the Proud Little Whites is great. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like a, a corporate responsibility, whatever they're called, I can't remember what the word is. That is the danger, and I speak about it in my book, that it's just become sort of branding for the club Absolutely. and trying to attract LGBT fans, which is okay in its own right, but if it wasn't making some positive yeah, contributions yeah. and at times challenging the club then it would be, you know, it would be wrong. But I think the relationship is great, yeah. Ange, Flip Your Wig 1990 says, uh, do you <laughs> consider the Chelsea Rent Boys chant from last season and many seasons to be homophobic or offensive? And are there any other chants that you take offence at? Um, I can't even comment on the Chelsea Rent Boys one. I don't think I know what it was. Oh, I, I mean, I've there's loads of them missed it. Oh, Chelsea Rent Boys, Chelsea uh, Rent Boys. I've had, said it? Yeah. Is that Chelsea Rent Boys were coming for you. Mm. There's a few of them. Oh, okay. But that's it. I mean, Chelsea Rent Boys has been a lot. But it, it's been around for a while, right? So, is it offensive to call them a, a male prostitute? Typically, gay male prostitute. I think it is. I'll tell you why. Because again, it does go back to the 70s and 80s. In my in my opinion, it's not something. I know the club takes a different view. The club thinks that it's only recent that we've been seeing that and in a way we're talking about Chelsea having loads of money that mm. they could afford prostitutes well actually it isn't it goes back to the fact and I, I there's a whole chapter in it in my book actually that covers it it goes back to the fact that Chelsea was in Earl's Court mm. a gay area of sex workers etc and uh, it was a derogatory term I mean for me it is offensive I talked to my um brother who's a massive Chelsea fan and he says he turns it around and says well actually if you want to fancy us in a sense saying that we're rent boys we don't really mind but yeah it is I think for me and it should really stop uh, for me and that's the one thing that I think yeah rails me about Tottenham songs that's the only song now that I think 
should really just go away. Um, there's plenty of other th- songs we can sing about Chelsea that doesn't um, call them rent boys. I'm not a big fan of the Arsenal twine string, I'm afraid. Oh, yeah. Same I mean, it's me, not homophobic, yeah. but it just makes my skin crawl a bit. It's just a bit cringe, especially when... I, a bit cringe sounds a bit derogatory putting you down, but um, it's just a it's bit... A what, what's the point, you know? Yeah. Um, it's just really like Malcolm X. It's horrible. Yeah. It's very odd, isn't it, that, again, someone's right thought <laughs> of a song that is about stringing up a boy. Mm. Yeah, well, it was well, changed to toy, right? But it is... Yeah. Has it? Arsenal toy. I found on a yeah. string. Yeah, when Kickies. I was just a little... Yeah. yeah. When I was at the 2-0, uh, the last game of the last... The penultimate game of last season, there was someone with a little toy on a string swinging it around. So it's a toy that. now, is it? Yeah, it's always... Okay. When I was just a little... Uh, gave me a little toy, an Arsenal fan on a string, told me to kick. I hope yeah. it was never boy. That's worse. Well, that's just my hearing. <laughs> oh. Um... No, that, that's a bad one. Yeah, that, not, not a fan one. of that, I'm afraid. No, I wouldn't sing it. And the fact, I think we've stopped it about Wenger. Oh, God, yeah, I mean... Being yeah. Uh, a P, I think we've stopped that. That's yeah. I just find it odd that grown men can sing that with their children around. Mm. Yeah. I just find it odd. Um, I found this really question really interesting. Sifstone, we sort of touched on it. Does being a football fan impact your life differently than your straight peers because of your sexuality? Does being a... Because I, I, I asked for clarification, I said, just to understand your meaning, are you asking if being a football fan impacts your life as a gay person in that some gay people may view it negatively? You know, you've oh. talked about how some gay people, some gay females, um, you, you expected to be into football. And is it the opposite for gay men? He says, not negatively, just differently. I imagine that being gay in a football community can cause alienation and being treated differently. And I was wondering if the inverse was true. That's, I think it's a really good question, and I think it has. Um, I remember when GFSN started, so this is 89-90. Sorry, the Gay Football Supporters Network. Yeah. A lot in the gay community, pink, the pink press at the time, um, were saying, why the hell? You know, this is ridiculous. They're, they're all homophobic. They're all hooligans. Why would you ever think of... We found it difficult. Go, I mean, just imagine this. I look back at it now. People didn't even believe we were gay when we would go to matches with into a gay club, particularly yeah. in Manchester on Canal Street um, after games, they wouldn't allow us in because they thought we were straight. We couldn't possibly be a gay football it's supporter. Mad, so, yes, the inverse um, is, uh, is absolutely true. I think there's a lot of uh, prejudice in the LGBT community about football fans because of lack of knowledge. Recent example, for example, when um, some Crystal Palace fan had a go at, um, oh gosh, I've forgotten his name now, Ed Izzard, that's it. He's a big Palace fan and he was um, with lipstick and everything and uh, uh, identifies as a trans person. There was a Palace fan that had a real go at him for, you shouldn't be here, blah, blah, blah. What the... I don't know who it was, but one of the pink papers forgot to mention was that the fans around Eddie actually supported him. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so at times, I think the LGBT press have, have, can be sensationalist and overdo uh, the fact that football fans are homophobic or yeah. hooligans. So, yeah, we've it's getting better, but we found that barrier, you know. 
and certainly when I've taken football uh, gay people who aren't into football um, sometimes uh, uh, they think oh my gosh it's like you were saying earlier Angie it's going to be all Mm. um, uh, dreadful but when they've actually gone they've actually enjoyed it especially Spurs Mm. because you know even if we score one or two we still need to score a third Mm. at least a couple of seasons ago you know just to make sure we won so it's like a piece of theatre but no I agree with that that's a really good question and uh, the inverse is true in many respects I think football fans get a bad um Mm a bad mention sometimes by the LGBT press yeah uh, we've touched on a lot of different bases so we're I mean it, there's a few more questions on the back but we've touched on, on a lot of them so we can whiz through them quite quickly G Phillips 5 says I'd be un- interested in understanding more about the LGBT solidarity between clubs we hate the scum but there is a is there a support network between both LGBT club support groups yeah it's called there Pride is. in Football yeah um, it's recognised by the FA as I was saying earlier there are now nearly 40 clubs But can I just point out that one of the biggest clubs still doesn't have a women's team and still doesn't have an LGBT fan club? uh, And it's a top five club and it's Manchester United. United. That's right. The biggest supportive club in the world. Yep. How interesting. And so that's something that we aim to change. But yes, and as I said earlier, when we go abroad to places like France and Holland where actually there isn't a support group and, you know... Clubs like Ajax, Feyenoord are finding it really difficult to identify LGBT fans. There's something about England that we should be proud of and Scotland. Furry Nad says, I personally don't see why people have an issue with it. Couldn't give an F of who you shag. Men, women, animals or cars. Now, I take exception at animals (laughs) in that one. And cars. Um, And cars. Um, The the Welshman in me is is saying otherwise, but we'll uh, we'll leave that one. My concern with football is how the 11 men on the pitch do. However, my question would be, are there games where you feel threatened because of the fans and you've sort of touched on it? Is there any other other places you wouldn't go? No, I think, again, I I don't shout about it, but my answer is I wouldn't hold my wife's hand. So, yes, I guess I do feel threatened by it. Royal Duck says, I think it would be good to ask whether the Kick It Out campaign has done enough to support gay footballers or fans. Would they like to see more being done from the ambassadors? Does it give more focus on racism and not enough to tackle all forms of discrimination? Well, I mean, famously, Kick It Out built an app specifically so that you could just Mm. record problems, right? Mm. I mean, we were in a dire state in this country that you had to build an app so that people could record an issue on the sideline. I think they are doing a lot. Yeah, they are yeah. doing I mean, yeah. there's so much stuff happening behind the scenes. That it's easy to kick them because the majority, well, how many people who aren't gay, who aren't in need of kick it out, they only see the posters and the warm-up tops with it on, but everyone, like the behind-the-scenes support networks, all that stuff which you just don't see. Absolutely. That's what they're doing. Right? And there are big organisations that, moving a bit away from um, homophobia in general, there's a, there's a massive issue at the moment in this country where there's not enough coaches, managers uh, of BAME, BAME. so you know, you don't see any no, managers of no. ethnicity at all in this country and it's a big problem and Kick It Out are doing a lot and I know there are big organisations that are also doing a lot to, you know, whether it's bursaries to try mm. and raise the profile but I mean Greg Clark has sat down with a, a couple before and it's just really hard, it's hard mm. for them to get jobs, there's a stigma attached to it, it's really yeah, yeah. bizarre. So mm. BAME being Black African Middle Eastern right? Uh, so black Asian Asian sorry minority yeah. oh I got that all wrong no it doesn't um, it was a good guess point. though <laughs> and I think the so I was looking at the stats on this today for something else and I think in the 2011 um, census 14% of 
British people yeah. identified as BAME, mm-hmm. which means sometimes it does feel that we should be having like it. it is that we should be having 50% BAME um, applicants and we should be trying to force that through. And that's not what, and tell me if I'm wrong, that's not what needs to happen. What we need to do is educate people now so that we get them in the future. There's no point forcing them into jobs and forcing people to do jobs they aren't either qualified for or trying to make. That, like top, managerial skills does not reflect the players that are yeah, playing in the Premier League. Absolutely. It's such a bizarre... Absolutely. Mm. All managers that's are quite, it's so mm. bizarre. Mm. I think that's that's a really good point you make, and it's easy for us to forget that, that it's not just about shouting abuse at players yeah. now, it's about a whole load of black players that mm. haven't been able to break that managerial ceiling or coaching ceiling. Yeah, There's the so-called Rooney rule, which I think should be accepted, where, where you have to have at least one black coach um shortlisted for jobs so they the people and also the people interviewing unfortunately come from the same ilk and that greg clark did where it was a a different era and a different time a kick it out are wonderful i mean they 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 tackle all forms of discrimination there's no hierarchy Mm -hmm. in terms of that and i don't know if people know but the ambassador is ben davis so each club has an identified player Um, so if players have got issues, problems, they can turn to Ben, you know, and Ben also does a lot of work in yeah. schools, etc. And Troy Townsend, yeah. who is Andrus's uh, dad, yeah. is does a lot of, as Ange says, does a lot of training with academies on all these issues. Yeah. So kick it out. The peanuts they get, what they deliver to the game is amazing. Fabulous. Um, D Holder says, "Will the rainbow flag be back at the new lane?" I certainly hope so. I imagine. I hope so. I imagine. Um, so. <laughs> it's even more space to put flags. I'm assuming so. Um, I want more flags. <laughs> yes. That's what I want. Or a yes. bigger flag. Um, Boning Myrtle says, "What aspects of football <laughs> culture?" I didn't ask. What aspects of football culture, if any, do gay people experience differently from straight people? I think it's the holding hands. I think that's the last big barrier. I'll put up. I'll put something down there for people now. Um, if there's anyone who wants to come to a game with me, who's half decent looking <laughs> and wants to hold my hand, yeah. let's do it. For me, that's a massive barrier um, for, for the youngsters because mm. young people are coming out now at school and everywhere. You know, they don't they don't bother about what people think. But I, I think that would be great if we could see them holding hands and, you know, maybe canoodling mm. at games. So that's one thing that we experience differently, definitely. Um, because football culture is about togetherness, etc. And, uh, you know, you do see couples at games. Um, you don't see enough women. Um, the latest surveys show that you do see about 15% of BME people at grounds, which is brilliant, because when That's I was great, a yeah. kid, it was yeah. 5% or below, you know, even in an area like Tottenham. So, yeah. Um, one thing I mean of reading this book you like a social event as well you like a party more, more yes than, there's not as many parties or social events as we do don't we <laughs> <laughs> you gays we like can do a party <laughs> yeah. uh, Tian Licker says question for Bradley White do you feel the club is genuinely reaching out and working with you or do you feel it's simply socially conscious lip service we sort of covered that yeah. um, finally Combat Johnny says uh, what do you think of the pedestrianisation of Norwich City Centre um, I'll be honest I'm dead against it I mean people forget the traders need to access to the, uh-huh. Aha. Um, I'd like to meet Combat Johnny. <laughs> he yeah. sounds great. Sounds great. <laughs> um, is there anything I've missed? Because is there anything we've missed? We've covered a lot of ground. I mean, this is one of the longest pods we've done in a oh, long time. Okay. Thank you. 
Um, I'd like to be in a situation, you know, the book covers 25 years. I'd like to be in a, in a, bo- uh, in a book. No, I'd like to be in a situation, I don't know, maybe 25 hence, years hence, where this isn't an issue anymore. It certainly, you know, progressively with young people is not a major issue. You know, talking to people in school was amazing. You know, um, they're more ahead of us than we would ever think, certainly of my generation in their 50s. So I hope it doesn't take another 25 years mm. where it's just not an issue. We're yeah. not doing special podcasts. We're not doing rainbow laces. We're not, you know, having to have all those signs because mm. in, in an ideal world and football is the major sport in the entire world, it would be great to see that reflected in terms of diversity so Mm. for me yeah that's where i'd like to be a situation where it's not special yeah that's it Mm. summed it up well (laughs) any more for any more any any other spurs business we've been quite serious about gay stuff is there anything uh, (laughs) is there anything else we need to cover the training kit i saw someone wearing the training kit you know the blue zigzag one do you know what i'm talking about it's horrendous i mean it's really dreadfully yes. awful um, and the kit everything seems to have got more expensive like the kit 60 quid everything's just a, a bit of a piss take at the moment it's first year I didn't buy um, a top until I went to an airport and got it cheaper mm. where it's about 40 quid but even then it's it's a lot of money I don't know how families no no no, no. I have no idea how families afford football and especially at, at Wembley yeah because the prices of the refreshments and stuff... It's awful, isn't it's it? It's awful. It's awful. I just don't understand how people afford it sometimes. £50, two beers and a hot dog, and I was regretting my decisions. Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, if that's it, thank you very much. Your book, We're Queer, We Should Be Here, it's on Amazon, um, The Perils and Pleasures of Being a Gay Football Fan. Genuinely interesting, enlightening, heartbreaking funny it's brilliant oh, um, thank you. and I haven't even finished it yet so oh. it might be shit by the end of it <laughs> <laughs> but who knows um, up to up to chapter 8 it's up to okay. chapter 8 it's <laughs> great after that I can't promise anything so and thank you so much for coming on thank I you for having you, me I hope you, we see you again soon and Daryl absolute pleasure again thank you very much and whatever happens don't forget the future's bright the future's lily white come on you Spurs Aussies knees have gone all trembly And a Tim requires assembly Danny Montflower Local boy Ledley King Greavesy scoring everything Glenn Hoddle, Chrissy Waddle Lee Young-Kyo Casey Keller, USA Woodgate is not fit to play Tramatini, Kudachini Freddie Canute Gary Mavitt in Chilin Sergi Renbro for the win Run for me, Nick on me For three stout Terry Heroes in white and blue We've all loved you since 1882 Even when I'm feeling grey Despite the tears and pain I go to White Hart Lane Linica playing fair Modric here, there, everywhere Pat Jennings, luscious hair Super Vertonghen Kavliachenko, number nine Nine from the halfway line Villas running 81 Under Twin Towers
Daniel Levy's transfer steals. Harry Redknapp steals on wheels. Legend Steve Perryman, MBE. Hugo Loris clean sheet. Ball and Stefan Dalmatsky. I'm playing out what I'll play Nicola Bertie. Heroes in white and blue. This one's for Billy Nick. His football did the trick. He showed the world what Spurs could do. The League and Cup we won in 1961. Aaron Lennon's line green shoes Gareth Bailey used to lose Alan Hart and we all knew his passport said to Spain Berbatov turn and strop Hartsy saving from the spot Beat Chelsea at Wembley we lifted the League Cup Maradona is a spur We're the football connoisseurs Chaz and Dave's crop me raves Chirpy the cockerel Mendes shoots from halfway. Carol Pumbling the same. Flattenberg. Waterberg doesn't give the goal. Abizela's work of art. Tricky Rafa van der Vaart. He's got no head, but we don't care. Martin, Martin, yo. Lily White's from White Hart Lane. Reto Ziegler sounded just like Ziga. Getting to the grounds of pain. Getting nasty blisters down the Seven Sisters Teddy into equalise Ginger Pele in disguise People speak of the technique that Jason Dozel acts Jamie Redknapp on TV We love Alan Mullery Raziak, don't come back Andersimovic Crenshaw substitution Tom Hardlister's distribution Jermaine Defoe, he's Cisco He's linguistic skills Scott Parker could not try harder Danny Rose is 30 yarder Darren Bent's headed wide Sandra could have scored that Heroes in blue and white We sold Zakora and we dropped Zamora Spurs make my dark days bright But it makes me sad the Steagle was so bad Robbie Keane in the box Edgar Davids Dreadlocks, Palacios Stripey Socks Everson Hattrick Dave Mackay picking fights European Glory Knights Terry Dyson go on my son Cliff Jones on the wing Dean Richards, John White Legendary Lily White How dare I forget Who dare is to do Clive Allen, Paul Allen, Joe Allen, Les Allen, Rory Allen, Russell Allen, Alan Gilsey. White on Lane, Kazuyuki Soda, Bentley's free kick over. We treat Judas with disdain. His transfer was a farce, so shove him up your arse. Liam Walker's page three go. That's Gomez made super saves, he can shake my wife Edrington loved the cookies Andy Reid loved the cookies Star Wars music and some Wookiees right before the game Heroes in blue and white When I feel depressed in Cochinola undressed Point won't give up the fight Wolfhawks never quits, you can be sure of it Robinson's long shot AVB's deep spot David Howe's on the prowl in the FA Cup Andy Sinton's England call, Michael Brown starts a brawl Peter Crouch, eight foot tall, Jürgen Klinsmann's dive Arsene Wenger's dodgy vision, Howard Webb's bad decision Raman Vega playing Sega, Sandro's kung fu kick Eric Torsten looking spell, Espen Barson, Leonard and Smith and Shivers bound to score Give me more and more and more Heroes in white and blue we love to win in style, we've done it for a while It's better to rain playing high Then our football story will echo with glory Lily White's from White Hart Lane 
If the budget allows, the answer will be ours. Thanks, Dave Henson, 24. If he were here, we'd buy the boy a beer. Heroes in white and blue. This one's for Billy Nick, it's the boy did the trick. He showed the world what's for us to do. The Leading Cup we won in 1961. Heroes in white and blue. We've all loved you since 1882 Even when I'm feeling grey Despite the tears and pain I get to white hot lane Heroes in white and blue We like to win in style We've done it for a while It's better to aim very high Then our football story Will echo with glory 